Greetings and salutations to all sentient beings. This is the Alpha and the Omega, the podcast that's made to last. My name is Ingrid Bernal, your host here on the Think Tank, the synthetic cubic brain, the answer machine, the thinking machine. We all know as the RPG Maidenframe. Greetings, everybody. Yo, it's your old buddy Hankering here, back once again on Runehammer at the RPG Mainframe. This is episode 58 of the show. Great to have you guys back. Hope everybody's having a good time out there. There's so many cool posts coming up from all the games that are coming together. You know, like after the holidays, there's always this weird lull, and you're thinking to yourself, is the hobby dead? <laughs> is it over? But after two, three weeks, people are processing like all the cool rpg loot they scored on christmas and they're getting their new games up and running and it starts coming up on instagram and on twitter and whatnot and like woo, it's exciting it's great to see 2020 starting to come alive um right now uh, as of this recording it is the 19th of january and i am right in the middle of relocating the runehammer fortress we are going all the way to the other end of alfheim to the great and ancient city of Philadelphia. So anybody out there who's living in Philly, I am coming up to your spot. I'm coming your way. And uh, if anybody, just please never be shy about contacting me directly with uh, any of your questions and comments. But in this particular case, I sure would like to roll up in Philly and meet some heads and even more so, spoiler alert, I want to pull together a kick-ass table group to play this year in a, I don't know, year-long campaign or so. I don't know. We'll just play until we can't play now. But uh, I want to, you know, be very selective and find the, just the right kind of players that are going to fit. And I want to get back to the table. It's been great playing online so much these past couple of years. Um, but to be completely honest, I really do miss the core and the root of the hobby, which is gathering at the table, you know, every week or every other week with your friends and like that feeling and then that habit and what it, what it does to your creative pattern as a game master. To me, I miss it. Um, the power of online tools is also a little bit the weakness. It's like uh, using digital tools. They're so strong and that you can create such, you know, visually complete things. It removes some of the fun to me of game mastering, which is involves like the translating of maps to the table and, and the using of notes that are written in a notebook. You know, it's really easy to have notes able to pop up when you're playing online and stuff. There's a lot of great tools, but in a way it misses, it makes me miss that analog core. And I want to get back to it and I want to find some people in Philly. I know there's an abundant and vibrant gaming scene over there, so I cannot wait. But in the meantime, there's a lot to do to relocate and to move. We've got to pack up the fortress here, the lab, the lair up in here in Runehammeria and and get all that going so i've been a little bit scatterbrained but in the midst of that scatterbraining the hobby never stops I'm, I'm finally closing in on the end of my this current journal this hardback journal which has been uh just over three years <laughs> it has taken me to fill this journal i bought a way too big journal so pro tip for everybody out there buy a journal that is small enough where you can complete it in a reasonable amount of time because i hate walking away from a journal with 50 pages blank i, I can't do that that's against my code so i'm almost done with this thing but what i've been working on 
is this campaign that I, I want to run in 2020 at, you know, at the physical table, not online and kind of stumbling around in that. And then also playing right now in, uh, Alex's altered state cyberpunk game. And so we're, I believe at session 11 on that game and that storyline. And this podcast episode 58 here is about a, a, a confluence of those two creative experiences that I'm going through right now. On the one hand, creating a campaign, and on the other hand, playing in one and coming past the halfway point. And that exact phrase brings us to the topic today. Enough jibba-jabba and dilly-dally. Episode 58 of the RPG Mainframe is all about the middle point of your campaign. And this is a, a multifaceted and quite interesting topic because it has a lot of different parts and pieces, including how do you know when you're at the middle? How do you employ the middle as a powerful tool in your campaign? And what happens after the middle? And what are the components that lead you up to a good middle, that compose a good middle, and that can conclude and, and tie and wrap and finish a good middle? Now, the ending of the middle isn't the ending. <laughs> it's the beginning of the end is the end of the middle. <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk about all these different parts and pieces that compose the interesting think storm that surrounds the middle of your campaign. So first of all, let's say that like all of our models that we're going to be talking about here in, in episode 58, we're going to base it on an example that's maybe like a year-long game. Okay, so you're going to play a year-long campaign, and somewhere, you know, after about six months or even five or even four, if you're quicker to reach your middle point, you're going to hit this stage, okay? So you can kind of put your head into that mindset, okay? So that's sort of when I'm talking abstractly about a campaign and an ongoing game, and you're, you're, you're kind of in your brain, you're trying to sketch this out, and you're going, hankering, you're not making any sense, and you're talking in spaghetti again. You, you can think in a, in a year-long campaign to get yourself grounded again, okay? So that's kind of where we're going to sit. And first of all, I want to talk about the big trends or the big components that you can both look for and look forward to and implement as you move from the beginning of your campaign through the middle and then to the end. And the biggest sort of trends that I see as you go from the beginning into the middle to the end is there's two of them. There's two big pieces that I, I, for me, having awareness of these two big pieces helps me a lot to understand the structure of things to maybe see a little bit where, um, the big beats might be and then where I would have, you know, chances of derailure and craziness and so on and so forth. First of all, it's the prep. The beginning of your campaign is going to be easy to prep. The characters are not powerful. Your story is not complex. There's not a lot of NPCs to remember. There's not a lot of weird references to remember. There's not a bunch of magic items or high-powered villains or high-powered players, for that matter, player characters. And they're also, their expectations are going to be very small and very focused. You know, like, we need to go, um, you know, to take Dave's example, you know, to, to retrieve this turnip. <laughs> okay, so on the, on the lower level, you're retrieving a turnip. On the higher level, you are going to the astral plane to intercept an archdemon that is occupying the mind of a mind flayer king in the under realm, and you're going to stop this conspiracy to destroy the cosmos. 
So you can see how the first one stealing the turnip is much easier prep. And toward the end of your game, you're going to get hard prep. So be ready for that and have a mindset that focuses on one session at a time. And on the one hand, revel in your time when it's the beginning of your campaign, like enjoy that easy prep period, that low fantasy period. And then when you come to your more difficult part, lean on others and lean on books and find ideas that will get you through it. Because I can tell you, if you really do want to keep things intriguing and challenging when the power levels are high and the story is extremely convoluted, you're going to need better notes and you're going to need other brains to help you get through it. At least if you're anything like me, <laughs> I need all the help I can get. Now, the second big one that I notice when I'm plotting out, thinking about campaigns in a, in a very large sort of holistic way is agency and the flow of agency. In the beginning of the campaign, the agency is maximal, I think. The players have a huge impact on exactly how things are going to shape and how they're going to form. And honestly, you guys know my sort of policy on campaign planning is you got to be really loose and careful because players are going to do things that are very out of the box. And you want that agency to be, feel very loose and free and powerful in the beginning. Then when you move through the middle, this is where this transition is going to happen. And this is what we're about to really get into, but you're going to transition and toward the ending, if anything that I say is correct, you're going to find a lot less player agency. The ending of a campaign is a shave and a haircut. Right? And that formula for feeling a satisfying conclusion can be very easily mucked up by too much player agency. And we see this in some fan-driven story franchises out there, right? Like they had great conclusions and endings, but fans want more or they want to see this or they want to see that. And it actually can start to create an overly convoluted and somewhat not satisfying conclusion to a big story. Because, you know, as uh, I believe Mozart said, is never let the audience write the symphony, right? Because it's great that they are there and that they're part of it. But if the players have too much agency over the key concluding moment or theme or or clever turn or twist of the screw that makes the whole thing come crashing down in a wonderful and satisfying way if they're allowed to muck that up too much with freedom you're going to find yourself either having no ending which is <laughs> which is terrible or a very odd unsatisfying one and if you want to look at some of the campaigns out there that that do this well or that sort of exhibit this pattern from high agency to low agency the first season of Critical Role is a great example. And even something like Rise of the Rune Lords has this sort of feeling. Like in the beginning, there's a lot of threads to pursue in Rune Lords. But really, by the end, you need to go to the Arch Lich's super sanctum and you need to do that big confrontation. You have to do that. That is the ending. And so players aren't allowed to just wander off into the desert because then as a, as a game master, you're going to feel like you're wandering through the desert and like years will be passing. You'll be trapped in this morass of a no ending ending. So I do see a really good campaign having lots of agency in the beginning, lots of freedom and shaping by players, especially session zero. That's when their agency is an absolute maximum. Like what kind of campaign do you guys think would be cool? I'm as the game master, I'm kind of thinking about like something cool with like ships and stuff. Like, does that sound groovy? And how could that be cool for you guys? How can we meet in the middle? But then by the end of the campaign, you, you are game mastering. You're putting the master in game master as um, professor DM likes to say. 
You are showing them this ending and they are going to freaking do it. And it's going to be the final scene, right? It's going to be badass, the final revelations and so on and so forth. So I think in a good, in a good campaign, you're going to see both of these trends, high agency to low agency and easy prep to hard prep. And just knowing that and plotting it in your journal and showing that to yourself, I think is going to give you some of what I've been trying to give myself here in the past three weeks, which is like a better comprehension of how I want to really make a kick-ass campaign. And it doesn't mean planning out all the sessions and railroading people into my cool ideas. It's a holistic understanding of what's ahead and how I can approach it creatively and get the best results. So now we need to find our way to the middle because that's the topic of this podcast. I think we'd have a great mainframe topics talking about how to start a campaign and the most difficult one, how to conclude a campaign. But on this particular episode 58, we're talking about that middle. Okay. So there are events that are going to lead you there. So you start your campaign and you, you have your setting. And to me, it always begins with something that feels a bit like an errand, <laughs> right? And this is true of video games too. Like there, there are errands to be done. And that is the level that the players are at. And they're sort of doing these errands. And then we move to our next beat, which is via these errands, they discover this villain. And more importantly, they discover secrets with no answers. And this is really important. There are many secrets that they do not understand, but they know of the secrets. They can't not know anything about the secrets because then they wouldn't have anything to pursue. So the villain is revealed and is somehow wrapped or intertwined in some way into these secrets. And honestly, I think secrets draw players into a campaign more powerfully than defeating a villain. I think the revelation of of what is true and what is real is a bigger draw than the sort of somewhat savage satisfaction of revenge or of destroying an ill an ill doer, right? And and it's going to depend on your group exactly what reward is going to work best. But before you reach the middle of your campaign, in my opinion, you need to have this villain be revealed and be wrapped in secrets that will eventually be revealed that would be eventually solved or debunked in some cases with secrets, right? Some secrets aren't true. And so this sets you up. You have errands, then you have your villain appear and there's all these mysteries. Ooh, what is, what is this? And what is that? And is a really B or is a actually a, and like, you know, what's the truth behind the shipwreck at Spivey point and stuff like this. Right. And this, you pull them in, you pull them in, you pull them in. And now after they encounter and work against this villain, and maybe begin to scratch at some solutions to these secrets. We finally reach pay dirt for the episode here. We reach the middle of the campaign. The middle of the campaign has a lot of parts and pieces to it. And I just want to break them down in a list. And the first one is probably the biggest and most important one, I think. The secrets that were sort of introduced, hinted at, but completely obscured in the beginning of the campaign, the like first half in the middle, there are no more secrets. Be prepared as the game master to have no more large scale mysteries. And when that moment comes, you know, you are truly in the middle point of your campaign because you are not using secrets and mysteries to lure the players. As I just mentioned, doing is so effective. You're not doing that anymore. 
You need to give them the satisfaction of all these revelations, give them full exposure to the truth. And this is going to be a relief for you too, as a game master, you're going to, you can stop trying to hint at things and drop little clues and play this little cat and mouse game, right? You can give them the data. And this is exactly where I am right now in my birthday boy campaign, um, with the immortals, uh, on discord. The birthday boy campaign, the secrets are pretty much all completely out in the open. And this is like such a relief for me. I don't have to hide. And now this basically asks players the questions, what will you do about these truths? You are no longer seeking the truth. You are now an agent to do something about what you know. That to me is the biggest milepost that really lets you know i'm at my middle point of my campaign here i'm going to give them everything and then we're going to figure out what to do about knowing everything so the next one is i kind of my bullet point that i have written written down is toss a coin to your villain <laughs> oh valley of plenty <laughs> so what does it mean to toss a coin to your villain i think my intention here is that the middle of a campaign you need to let your villain take on his Voltron form. <laughs> she needs to become her full supreme form. And this is part of letting out secrets, right? The villain comes out from behind the curtain. It was me all along. My plan is to eat the moon. <laughs> Something to this effect. You toss a coin to your villain, meaning you let your villain have a day in the sun. And this you do not want to do early in the campaign because it can feel a lot like kicking the heroes in the balls, <laughs> to, to use a somewhat crass expression. <laughs> it can feel like a kick in the nuts if the villain is too cool too early. But if the villain is never really cool and never really has a day in the sun, it, it, it doesn't make for a potent enemy. And so the middle point of your campaign, when you know you have players hooked, you have high investment, there's a vibe and a harmonic to the game, and it's feeling like, yeah, this villain needs to come forth and it doesn't have to be by terrible deed and it doesn't have to be by cackling monologue. It can simply be being revealed. It could be rumors and legends. It could be reports of a thing that happens remotely. There's a million ways to do it, but give your villain a day in the sun. And when that time comes, you know, this is one of those mileposts. You are at the middle of your campaign. Now, the next one, and I think this is very important is what I call lock and key. In the beginning of things, when players are smaller, they're really just getting to know each other, most importantly, and the world and the forces of evil that are working against them, right? And the forces of good that could help them. But at the middle, they're familiar with those forces, and they actually are probably using and employing some of those allies to go against these, these perils, right? And what lock and key is to me is that they are now ready for puzzles that only have one solution and by puzzle i don't mean you know like which gems you push to unlock a door i mean it in the grand sense like uh, what's a good example you could have let's say a vampire villain and the only way to kill this vampire villain is this haunted sword made of pure silver and the silver was mined you know at the the darkest depths of the earth and then it's been imbued with the soul of this girl who was the one thing that the vampire you know that kept him in this world was his his love of this girl who was lost and her soul is in this sword and this sword is the only way to pierce the heart of this arch vampire and end him forever as he rejoins this lost girl's soul and they move on to the uh, elysian fields that to me is a lock and key 
You have a lock, which is this vampire cannot be beaten. And you have a key, which is this haunted sword. And at the midpoint in a campaign, players are ready for something of this scale. Instead of, you know, kind of where are you gallivanting to this week? The game master is saying, there's only one way to do this. And here it freaking is. Since we're in the middle of the campaign, I'm not going to beat around the bush with it. My NPC shows up and tells you. Or you find an ancient book and the answer is right there. But what isn't there is the doing. It's the deeds. The deeds are what will be the final or third act of the campaign. It's the doing of the solution. This lock and key solution. Now the middle has another piece to it, which will postpone the lock and key. And this is what I call tit for tat. <laughs> so everybody knows what tit for tat is, right? It's like slap boxing. It's, it's small attacks and reprisals between you and the forces of evil. This is, in my opinion, the absolute best way to prolong a campaign is to stay right here in this state and loop. And what you do is you, you know your big and unmovable, your fixed lock and key solution to the fundamental challenge of the campaign. You know that and it's out in the open. But what the deeds employ or require is this tit for tat. We need to go over to this fortress and kill this guy so that we can get the key. And the key goes to the library and the library is on the other end of the planet. And, oh, you know, we have to cross this crazy desert to get there. And actually the guys that we killed while we were crossing the desert got mad. And so they kind of got back to us and they're like kind of threw us in this jail and we got derailed. And we really just needed to go to this library. We finally get there. It's guarded by a weird cult. We kill a bunch of the cult members. We get the book, but we can't read it. So we find this other guy. Then the cult wants revenge. They come back and get us right this little loop can fill a lot of a campaign and it's a great great time in a campaign because you're not introducing things people are not getting used to it you're not fleshing out your world but you're also not facing these extremely difficult challenges like big boss monsters and massively epic conclusion fights and monologues that villains say that reveal their terrible intentions and their misguided will to actually improve the world with their villainy and tyranny you're in the middle and the middle is where you just get to loop with all these little tit-for-tat encounters that are just working on your lock and key Working, working, working. Over here, over here, over here, over here. All the Mario games have this in spades, right? They have a sort of a narrow channel at the beginning, a million little tit-for-tat things in the middle, and then a big ending. And I think it works great. And the next one, and this is where I think you can start to suck players into the conclusion, the third act of the campaign, so like the last maybe two months, is what I call a water slide. A water slide is a thing that when you get on it, you don't get to turn or go back or stop. And so this is a great place to now press to see how well your players actually have learned to play the game. A water slide for me in an RPG means there will be no turning back. There will be no rest. There will be no restocking. There'll be no going to the store, no, no trading, no, you know, crafting potions. There's no time for any of it. It's going to be a rollicking crazy adventure with no breaks and the indiana jones movies have some really great water water slides in them these are segments of adventure where the there is no break it is relentless 
It is fighting in the room, getting knocked out the window, landing on a, a, a hay cart that's already moving and the horses get spooked. So they go in faster. And then a bunch of other wagons are giving chase with archers. And then the wagon catches fire and flips over. And like, there's a cliff there and everybody spills out and they fall down to the ocean and the mother effing Kraken comes out of the ocean and like starts haranguing them. And then a ship comes up and it crashes. And like, you see what I mean? This is weeks of gameplay, but there's absolutely no, you know, camping. <laughs> There's no, ooh, I'd like to trade my dagger for a healing potion, please. No, there's no time for any of this stuff. They're, they have one hit point for weeks on end. Now, water slides I know really well because it is my core skill as a game master. Uh, it, it is the one thing that I really am good at. And I'm learning how to do some of the other stuff, like give characters rest and let them shop and let them interact with towns. That's my weak point. But water slides, I think, are a great way to go from all has been revealed the action's about to really heat up and I'm going to just water slide you down into the conclusion. Another great one in Indiana Jones is how the whole Well of Souls kind of episode plays out. That's a great water slide. They basically bumble and tumble and fall their way into the ark, you know, and then they're sealed in there with it. And like the whole thing was this sort of tumbling into that, this big sort of final, oh my God, yeah, but it's a tumbling. And that's your, your water slide. And then the final piece that I think the middle is so useful for is what I call the ladder. The ladder is the player's conception of their character reaching its zenith, its height, its, its vision. You know, a lot of players imagine their characters at their height when they create them. They say, well, someday this character is going to be super badass. And this is the, the seed that I'm going to grow into that, right? And here toward the, <laughs> I'm getting funny again, but the end of the middle, at the ending of the middle, I believe the players should reach their zenith. They do not grow much at all during the conclusion. They, they are good to go. They, they reach what you may call max level or they, they're looted out or they're, they're just so cool that it's not on their mind to, to get cooler. And this is obviously a subtle thing. It's not an easy thing to do as a game master. You need to reward them enough to beef them out enough to where they start to not desire increase, but to where they aren't so increased that it's difficult to even run the damn game, right? And to me, remember how when all the secrets are revealed, you said to yourself, oh, everything's out in the open now. We're at the middle of the campaign. This is great. I made it this far. Awesome. Well, when the ladder is completed, when those characters reach the top of the ladder and they are their full zenith selves, their, their maximized selves, that's your milepost to know that your middle is done. You made it. You are now entering the conclusion. And so using tit for tat, lock and key, water slides, those things are all going to especially if you loop them a lot are going to lead to a lot of progression, right? And when that looping either feels tired or the progression is maxing out, you know, you can see that mile marker coming from up ahead in your headlights and you know, oh, there's the ending of the middle ahead. We no longer have to loop in this tit for tat kind of lifestyle with this villain sort of having their day in the sun. That part is over now. We've reached the top of the ladder and from here, the players go into the conclusion. But we are not here in this podcast to talk about really awesome ways to do beginnings in campaigns or awesome ways to do endings. So I know that's a bit of a, a cruel cliffhanger, but really I think those deserve 
podcasts of their own. So again, I want to make sure that I'm clear on like sort of where I'm coming from thinking about the middle so much. Why didn't I start with the beginning? Because A, I'm right-brained and weird and scatterheaded, and this is just how I think. But B, because both the game I'm running right now, Birthday Boy, and the game I'm a player in, which is called Garden of Eden by Alex uh, Alvarez, both of those are at their midpoint right now. And so the thinking is fresh. And so when I'm sitting with a pint of beer and I've got my journal out, I think about what is fresh and just let the pen flow. And so there's, you know, three pages of all this crazy thinking about the middle of a campaign. And it really started getting more and more interesting to me because the middle is fun to think about because it's retroactively informative about the beginning. And it gives foreshadowing about the conclusion. And some great stuff happens in the conclusion. You have a major setback. You have a, a, the calculation or the configuration of a villain checkmate. And then for the final act, the execution of that villain checkmate. That is going to be your final scene. And then what happens? What happens? Do, do they do it? And if not, how can you wrap it up? And that is going to be another podcast. We're going to talk all about how to begin and end a campaign. But for right now, my mind was just completely occupied with the middle. And I hope you can see how it's it's very interesting to sort of cut the left side off, and that's the beginning, then to cut the right side off, and that's the conclusion. And then look at what you have left. You're thinking about the middle of a campaign. To me, that's a very intriguing and very nonlinear way to think about campaign creation that's really informative for me. And it is really been helping me see what I want to do with this table group that I want to form in Philly. So I said it at the beginning, and I'd love to say it again. If anybody knows anyone in the central Philadelphia area who is really good peoples, you know, good friendly folks, great gamers who are very invested, looking for like, you know, a great group to get into, I am looking for the right peeps. <laughs> and I, it probably is not going to be an easy search. It's a brand new city. But with the help of all you guys and my my amazing sort of shield wall, as well as my Runehammer audience out there, I think maybe it, it just might be possible. And I want to get back to that table, back to using the table as my muse for YouTube, and as well as everything that you guys are used to me producing, from publishing to artwork to this ridiculous podcast right here known as the RPG mainframe. So everybody, thanks a lot for tuning in to episode 58. Thank you so much for your ongoing support. The shield wall continues to grow. We are getting new patrons every week, which is still just amazes me. Um, and we do have a lot coming up in 2020 and it's sort of always changing, you know, but um, I think you guys are going to see some interesting crossovers this year as my brain kind of takes me back to just the root of being a game master. And that's just running a game for a group and maybe not publish quite so much material. I mean, if you look at how much material was published last year, it's just crazy. I kind of want to get back to those roots. And, and I look forward to documenting that for everybody and getting back into that zone. But first I have got to relocate. So probably by the time you hear the next episode of the RPG mainframe, I will be 2,400 miles from where I'm sitting right now. <laughs> A great journey overland in which we will not only find new places, but ourselves. This is Ingrid Burnall, Hankred Fernale up in here, up here in northern Runeham area. The last time I'll be transmitting the RPG mainframe from these glorious Cascade Mountains up here. 
And the next you hear from me, I will be deep in the wicked cities of men. So until then, you guys, may all your dice roll high. Keep it real. Don't steal. You're always going to get a deal. And thanks, you guys, for hanging out. It is um, truly a privilege to be in this position, watching all the craziness on Discord, watching all the, the activity on the forums, which we is so active, we actually overblew the backup. That's why the forums went down the other day. <laughs> it was like an 80 gig backup of all you guys' amazing RPG work. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for your continued support and inspiration. And I will see you guys on the internet. I'm out of here.